And what an awesome song. I mention occasionally, I, I mentioned this Wednesday night, because we sung that song, that we should pay really close attention to the words of the song and be careful not to be saying or singing something we don't mean. We really should be careful. And many of the songs that we sing are prayers, and that's one of them. What an awesome song. He is the potter, and we are the clay. And we need to desire more than anything in the world that He would mold us and make us, make us more like Him. For our text this morning, it's coming from John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And uh, we're going to be looking at verse 32 in John chapter 12 and verse 32. And you may remember the last about four messages I brought. Uh, they were really troubling to me. The title of them were Beyond the Bounds of Forgiveness. And that was inspired by the questions that I was asked or the remarks that were made because I had used a text that had in it that all the sins and blasphemy will be forgiven unto man. And then there was an exception in the verse except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And in that message I didn't say very much about that. I did say a little bit. But then there was a lot of remarks that were made related to that. And there's something that I know that the Bible teaches that that's not the only, uh, that is a, a sin, that there is no forgiveness of course, but there uh, is other situations that render someone beyond the uh, forgiveness. And in those messages I brought that out. I actually gave some examples in one of the messages of people who had moved to that place. And what a dangerous thing it is to just ignore the message of God's Word. And uh, so out of that came the text this morning. The text is verse 32 of John chapter 12. And may the Lord bless His Word as He's promised to bless it. And it says simply this, Jesus is speaking, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And in this section of Scripture, we find that Jesus is making reference to the end as far as His earthly ministry was concerned. If you'll look back in this chapter, in the 23rd verse, it says this, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. In other words, what He's talking about, the time is at hand when He was going to go to the cross, give His life, shed His blood for the forgiveness of sin. And then in verse 24, he uses this illustration. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, 
it abideth alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. I often think about that verse when I plant my little garden in the spring of the year and put those seed in the ground, what Jesus said about that. Then I, I point out verse 27 where He said this, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify Thy name. And so what Jesus is talking about, He's talking about that great event that took place. That everyone who knows the Lord this morning ought to be more thankful for that very thing where Jesus died, Jesus gave His life, and shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sin. Now, I just want to draw from this verse two simple points this morning. First point is that there was a condition that was met. And what I mean when I say the condition that was met was the promise that's in the verse that I will draw all men unto me. So there was a condition that must be met. And so it's worded in this way. Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth. If I be lifted up from the earth. Now, turn with me back in John chapter 3, and we'll see what he meant by that. John in the third chapter, and in the 14th verse, here's what Jesus said. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I would call your attention to uh, in the book of Numbers where that's mentioned. And if you want to turn back there, it's in the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers. And I just want to read a few verses from that chapter. I know you're probably familiar with the story. And he says in verse 4, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea. This, this is the Israelites as they journey. And they come past the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Or talking about the manna that God was providing for them. Anyway, they were complaining about that. And in verse 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us, and Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if the serpent had bitten any man, when he uh, beheld the serpent, 
uh, of brass, he lived. So what John is talking about in chapter 3, or what Jesus was talking about when he said uh, in our text, if I be lifted up from the earth. In other words, back there in the Old Testament, that story came about. It was a picture of Christ coming to die on the cross. And those who would look upon Him by faith would be healed. And so that's what Jesus is talking about when He says this here. Now, one day there's going to be an awesome event take place. I like to think about it. It's found in the book of Revelation. And I'll just read a few verses from the 19th chapter. And uh, here's what it says, beginning in the 6th verse. And, and John says this, And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he that saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. In other words, one of these days, there's going to be this great event. And that great event is when all of the saved are going to be assembled one day, and it's called the marriage of the Lamb or the bridegroom. And Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus was given a people in an eternity past. It's difficult sometimes for us to understand that, but the Bible teaches that. And it's stated over and over, Jesus Himself saying, Those that Thou hast given unto Me. Those that Thou hast given unto Me. And so there's a people that come into this world, and so they are going to fall into that category. And then the Bible says that He came to purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. And so we find from there that there's going to be a people that are called out of this world, and uh, this is what Jesus is talking about. But there's an issue here. They must be redeemed. Their sins must be forgiven. They were a fallen and depraved and dead bunch of people. They were helpless in that state. The Bible's very clear about that. The depravity of man. He is helpless in that state. And so it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ can, can we be forgiven of our sin. The song that sometimes we love to hear or sing says, Hallelujah, what a Savior! He shed His lifeblood for even me. And so it's true. And they're in that helpless estate. But you know, there's something else. There's another issue that is set forth in this context. You see, not only must they be redeemed, not only must the blood of Jesus be shed for them, but there is a condition that they're in, in that dead, depraved condition, helpless and hopeless, there must be some miraculous thing that is done for them. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. 
I like what verse 31 says as he talked about the end coming. And he says in verse 31, And now is the judgment of this world, and now shall the prince of this world uh, be cast out. The prince of this world be cast out. So not only do these people need to be redeemed, but there needs to be something uh, related to the spiritual warfare that is that goes on. And the Bible talks about uh, something. I make reference to this quite often. It's found in the book of Second uh, Timothy, and it is in the second chapter. And it talks about it talks about this. It, I'll read in verse twenty-four and twenty-five and twenty-six. It says this. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, and apt to teach, and patient, in meekness, instructing, uh, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and then notice this verse: what it says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at will. Taken captive uh, by, at, by him at will. Just whenever he chooses or however he chooses to do so. And so for people to come to Christ, as the verse is promising here, there must be some uh, issue taken care of as far as the devil is concerned. And uh, does he still work? Does he still, even though Jesus is saying this, as a matter of fact, I point out something that he says here, and now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And, and I believe that he was cast down, but I don't believe he's cast out yet because the Bible has too much to say about the work of Satan in our world and all the army of demons that are in the world and are working in the world. But one of these days, he is going to be cast into the lake of the... Uh, a fire, and one of those places where Jesus talks about that, and I'll turn back here and read in Luke the tenth chapter, and in uh, chapter number ten, and I'll begin reading in verse seventeen. And here's what it says: uh, Jesus had sent forth the seventy, and the seventy returned again with joy, saying, "Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through Thy name." Now I'm going to make a point, even though there's going to be a time when the devil is going to be cast out. He will be totally. But I want you to understand, in, in the death of Christ, what Jesus did for us, that uh, we are given a victory over the devil. As a matter of fact, it's expressed in that 17th verse, when these 70 were sent out and come back, and they were shocked that the devils were subject unto them, uh, through his name. And he said unto them in the 18th verse, I beheld Satan as lightning, lightning fall from heaven. And behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And I want you to know that in Christ we have a special victory that we can claim. He went on to say, notwithstanding, uh, in, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so there is a victory that comes. The Bible says this 
about the devil that he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I like to call him a toothless one <laughs> when it comes to the child of God. I like to call him the toothless lion because when we understand that we have in Jesus' name and for his sake that victory over whatever he may choose to do. And we can know, for example, in the, uh, in the book of uh, uh, Galatians and in the uh, sixth chapter, it talks about this. It says in chapter six, uh, and, and let us not be uh, in, ch in chapter six of the book of Galatians. Put on the whole armor of God is what the Bible teaches. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, and, and I want you to know that even though as a child of God, you have this power, you have this protection from what He might bring about in your life, we must understand it and we must claim it. And on the authority of God's Word, that He uh, cannot uh, have the victory over us. Then, not only is uh, there a condition that was met related to the promise of the Scripture, now the promise that is made here in our text verse that he would draw all men unto himself is, is the subject. And that condition for that was met when Jesus went to the cross and he died. So it's a glorious result that comes about as a result of this. Now somebody might say, well I think the most glorious result of him dying on the cross is the forgiveness of my sin. But something must happen. You see, He has died on the cross. He has shed, shed His blood. But there are multitudes that have never come to Him. Jesus is talking about coming to Him in our text verse. As a matter of fact, there may be some who are here this morning who have never come to Him. And so the, the Bible t tells us there's invitations that are given over and over in the Scripture. I just read a couple of them in your hearing this morning. I love these verses. We're in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. I'll read these. You don't have to turn to them. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. The Bible says this, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That is an invitation. I'll share another one in that same book. It's in chapter 55 and verse number 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the water. He that hath no money, come ye buy, eat, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's an example of the invitations that are coming. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20. Now, then we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled unto God. And so that, that's an example of the invitations that that we find in the Bible. In John chapter 7 and verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. But I think the probably the uh, most impressive one to me where Jesus said in Matthew in chapter 11 and verse number 28 when He said, uh, Come unto me. Come unto me, Jesus saying, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. 
Well, there's a problem. There's a problem. It's reflected in the fifth chapter of John. And here's what it says in chapter 5 and verse uh, 26. Chapter 5 and verse uh, 26. And I turn to the wrong verse of Scripture. 10 and verse 26. Well, we could have read that one and it would have been a blessing to us, I know. But in chapter 10 and verse number 26. Now, the problem, that's what I'm bringing about. He says, you believe not, you believe not, because you are not my sheep. And my sheep hear my voice. And, and, they, and I know them. And they follow me. But then the, the other one, I was, yeah, chapter 5, and I'll get this right, and verse number 40. Chapter 5, and in verse number 40. And this is what Jesus said in verse 39 to 40. Search the Scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. And listen to this. Jesus said, And you will not come to Me that you might have life. And you will not come to Me that you might have life. Now something I pointed out in that series that I brought, those three or four sermons that... Uh, prior messages that I brought, is the Bible talks about an external call. It's an external call of the Gospel. And every time the Gospel is presented, that call goes forth. But you know what? It falls on deaf ears when there's not the miracle of God's grace that is working in one's heart. It, it, it is a call that is rejected. It is a call that is not responded uh, to. Uh, Philip said it this way. I used this text. He said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ear, you do always resist. Uncircumcised in heart and ear. What does that mean? That means that there are those whose heart has not been changed. I love that song, Brother Ronnie. Uh, change my heart. Change me. Make me what I, desi- you know, what I desire to be. I can't imagine anybody would sing that song and meant it if that was not the desire of their heart. And so that ought to be the desire of our heart. But uh, Philip talked about that. He said you do always resist the Holy Ghost. You're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ear. One of those past verses of Scripture that I, I read in that previous series was this. It was in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 24 where he said, I have called and no man regarded. I have called and no man regarded. And that's that external call. And you know what? Being an external call, just a call by itself, alone, does not change anybody. It is not anything that's effectual. And so this is what he's talking about. But oh, I tell you what, there's good news in our text this morning because there's something that will break through man's hopeless, fallen, depraved condition and that is the power of God's calling. That's the title of my message, by the way. I'll give it to you near the end rather than the beginning. The power of God's call. Is it a powerful call? If it was not an effectual call, then His purpose and His plan 
related to His people could not be accomplished if it was not an effectual call. Christ's words, I will draw all men unto Me. I will draw all men unto Me. Now let me say a little bit about that. Uh, that word all here. And I, I've shared this with you before, teaching from certain Scriptures uh, of the Bible. Uh, and I want to tell you that related to this call, the power of God's call, if it were all without exception, all without exception would come to Christ. I believe that. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that it's an effectual call. And, but it's not a all without exception, but all without distinction. And we find that all through the Scripture. Let me give you just two or three examples related to that. In Matthew chapter 4, Matthew the 4th chapter, and in the 23rd verse. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 23. And, and here's, here's what this verse says. Now Jesus said, uh, uh, the Bible says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, all manner. That means all kinds of. It would be all without distinction. All kinds of disease and all kinds of sickness is what that's talking about. So the all there is not all without exception, but all without distinction. And then another in the fifth chapter, uh, the fifth chapter and in the eleventh verse, and it says this, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So it's all manner. It's not all without exception, but it's all without distinction. And then in the 10th chapter, we find another one. If you turn over a page or two in chapter 10, and in uh, the chapter 10 and in the first verse, it says this, And when He had called unto Him the twelve, His twelve disciples, He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. It was all kinds of. So we have to be really careful when we find that in the Scripture that we interpret it in its context in the context of the whole Bible. And then in chapter 12 and verse 31 was where I preached from two or three weeks ago when, I, when it says this, And wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. All kinds of, and of course it was in this verse, where an exception was made, he said, uh, But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost uh, shall not be forgiven unto men, and whosoever speaketh a word against the Holy, the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. Whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven uh, given him, neither in this world or in the world to come. So he says all manner, all kinds of sin, but one. And so in our text this morning, when, when Jesus says that He would call all men unto Him. Now, here is what I believe. And you can disagree with me if you want to. You have every right to be wrong. (laughs) 
You can just be wrong. But here's what I believe. I believe that drawing power of the Lord is always effectual. That it always accomplishes the purpose for which He drew. And so I believe that with all my heart. That we have something. Now let me show you how powerful and how effectual it is. Uh, in the 6th chapter of John, and I know that you, are, you know these verses at well. I point them out occasionally because uh, they're so powerful. Now how powerful is that drawing of the Lord? Here's how powerful it is. I want you to listen to verse 44 of John chapter 6. The first thing I want you to know this morning, according to our Lord, no man can come unto me. Did you catch that? Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. The subject this morning is the drawing power of our Lord. No man can come except the Father draw him. And in the same exact verse he says, and I will raise him up in the last day. In other words, the verse is saying, anyone who, who, gets, who is drawn by the Father who is drawn will come and Christ has made a promise, I will raise him up in the last day. All of that is in that verse. Uh, he has to be drawn of the Father. Now, I, I know there's probably many here this morning who you know the Lord and you know you do. And you, you may be like myself. You can remember that time. You can remember, for me it's been almost 60 years. It might have been 60 years. Uh, I don't know. I've not just stopped and figured it out. But I want to tell you, I remember what that drawing felt like in my heart and in my soul. I remember that. Oh, do I ever remember it. And I've shared that with you uh, several times in preaching. That you know what, I, was, I went to church. Uh, you know, I told you about the drug problem I had. I drugged to Sunday school and drugged to church every Sunday. But you know, I, I remember, you know, I went to Sunday school. I heard my teacher teach and I heard the preacher preach over and over and then one day, something began to happen. Something wonderful began to happen. Oh, it didn't seem wonderful to me at the moment because it was so uncomfortable for me. But the Lord began to convict me of my sin and my lost, fallen, dead state that I was in. Something was happening in me. It was in me. It wasn't external anymore. It became internal. And so there was a drawing in my life. A drawing, and it was a drawing unto Him, as He said. So He says in this verse, Except the Father who has sent me, draw Him, and I will raise Him up in the last days. Now, I want to point out how I feel about that. I feel that that is the effectual call of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the sinner. Now you all are familiar with uh, uh, the verse in verse 37 of this chapter. I've just quoted the verse. I've read the verse so many times. But you know, in spite of all the reading of the verse, there are people that just can't comprehend that or refuse to. 
All the Father giveth me shall come unto me. I don't know about you this morning, but I believe what Jesus said. I believe it. He said, All the Father giveth unto me shall come unto me. And all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus said that. And I, I want to tell you something. If you question the power of that drawing, then you have to question this passage of Scripture. Jesus couldn't have said that if it was not an effectual call. He could not have said that. But He did say it. And I tell you this morning, it is true. Praise His holy name. And in that verse 44, verse 45 says, Jesus said, as it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto Me. They come when, when they're taught of the Father. Now somebody might say, now preacher, I just don't believe that God will violate man's free will. i got news for you. As a fallen, dead, depraved creature, that free will don't mount to nothing when it comes to the Lord. It is not capable of bringing anybody to Christ. Somebody would say, I just don't believe He does that. I believe He gives us the freedom to come to Him or reject Him or whatever, and I don't believe there's anything that overpowers that. Well, I want to remind you, there's an awesome passage in the Psalms. It's in the 10th Psalm. And it's talking about Christ. The very first verse bears that out. And, and talking about Christ. And here's what it says. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. That Psalm was talking to Jesus. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. So, does he do something related to the will? Well, he certainly can change it, amen? He can make someone want to come to Christ. And then I'll just point out one last little detail of that verse I read. Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, would draw all men, he says, unto me. You say, preacher, that drawing must be from something to something, obviously. Amen? So where does He draw us to? He draws us to Himself. Isn't that awesome? That's precious. That's where those that He draws are drawn to. Drawn unto Him. I'm thankful for that. What a powerful thing that is that, that the Lord would... Love us. And that's what He said in Jeremiah. I've loved thee with an everlasting love. So when did His love for you and me start? There is no start. It's eternal. And He says, and therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. Praise His holy name. Father, we thank You and praise You that You accomplish Your purpose always. You would not be a sovereign God if You could not or would not do that. And we praise You and thank You for that. Thank You for going to the cross. Thank You for giving Your life. Thank You for shedding Your precious blood. Thank You for being lifted up from the earth on our behalf. And thank You for the wonderful promise 
of your growing power. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now would you stand with me while Brother Ronnie and Sister Doris lead us in this closing number.